Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode uh, 155, I want to say. I uh, wanted to first off uh, apologize, I guess. We're doing, we're, we're going a little bit uh, off schedule. Um, this week was supposed to be uh, our Best of Pictures episode about the most recent Best Picture, Spotlight, but we decided to push that to next week because we just saw Risen and we wanted to talk about it while other people are talking about it. And who is this we? Well, I'll tell you. It's my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. I'm the we. How you doing? That's right. Oh. How you doing? Good. You look sleepy. A little bit. All right. Well, wake up because we're talking about... All right. You, know, you should rise yourself. Like your energy level. I mean. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I can do that. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any announcements. Uh, I, there's a number of new articles on the website, um, so just go to morethanonelesson.com and check those out. Uh, Reed listed, listed his top 10 of 2015. Uh, he wrote a very long and in-depth and insightful reaction to Spotlight, not as a Best Picture winner, but just as the film itself. So uh, so you can find that at morethanonelesson.com. Uh, a reminder to everybody that I will be at the International Christian Film Festival uh, in late April. I'll be giving a lecture there called uh, Speaking the Language of Film. So I'm very excited about that. So if you just uh, look up uh, International Christian Film Festival in Orlando, Florida, you can find out more details. Um, I think that is it. So we'll go ahead and, and jump into this. Um, all right. So we are talking about Risen directed by Kevin Reynolds, who made such films as Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Waterworld, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, a real director. Um, and that is in itself very exciting. <laughs> and he's a real director working with a real budget. Mm-hmm. Now, 20 ob- million, I think. 20 million, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think I first saw a trailer for Risen when you and I saw War Room. Um, and I think you actually showed up after the trailers, but I saw it for War Room, and then when I saw Woodlawn, I saw a trailer. Then uh, I've seen it a bunch. It is it's the one they've really been hyping a lot, and um, and it looked it looked pretty good to me. It looked at the very least like it had some real production value, and mm-hmm. it had Joseph Fiennes, who's a I don't love him as an actor, but I think he's somewhat dependable. Um, it had Tom Felton from the Harry Potter films and then a couple other, uh, recognizable people. And so I was kind of excited about that, but, uh, but you know, when it comes right down to it, it's always the script. Uh, you know, a good, cr- a good, uh, script costs as much as a bad one. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that might be the issue, but as the film was released, uh, a week or two ago, uh, I heard a lot of people on Facebook on the various Christian art groups that I'm a part of saying that this one was pretty good and it, it deserved to be seen. And so, uh, I knew that I was, that I was going to see it at some point just so I could be a part of the larger conversation. I wasn't really planning on doing an episode about it. Um, but honestly, a lot of people were asking us to do one and asking what we thought about it. So I thought, let's, let's do one. So, uh, so you and I saw it a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and, so first impressions, you know, broad, uh, you know, broad strokes. Um, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, on the letterboxed five star scale, I think I gave it three stars. If I'm feeling generous, I go three and a half, but somehow that doesn't seem right to me. (laughs) But at the same time, like, uh, I don't know. You know what? Actually, let's do this before we get into this discussion. I want to do something else. Uh, I liked the movie. I thought it was pretty good. You 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 gave it three stars on Letterboxd. I did. You thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Certainly better than the vast majority of Christian films I've seen. From a production from a production quality standpoint, I feel like it's maybe the best one I've seen so far. Um, I don't know. Woodlawn had some good stuff going yeah. for it, but uh, so. I was trying to talk about this movie on the BP Movie Journal, which you can hear over Battleship Pretension. And I found myself in a weird position as far as recommendation. Hmm. Because on one Christian, for 15 years, on one Christian site after another, I had, you know, you would, you would hear people say about some, about, you know, Left Behind or Omega Code or whatever it is. 
uh, and say like, oh, this is a movie that I feel like I could take my non-Christian friends to and they would like it. Now, the answer to that is always no, you can't. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess technically you could, but they won't like it. Yeah. Um, and for me, the, it always came down to quality. The quality is not very good, so nobody's going to like this. Mm-hmm. Well, with Risen, the quality is pretty good. And the writing, the last act kind of, I wouldn't say it falls apart, but it meanders a lot more and it kind of loses yeah. focus, if nothing else. Um, and because of the procedural element of the first two acts, that's nothing but focus, um, which I think works very well. But, um, but you know, you have real actors, you have a real budget, you have, uh, you know, it's kind of smaller scale, but I do feel like we are in the period in which the film takes place. And I realized that while this is not Ben-Hur or Gladiator or anything like that, um, in the in the, in the the olden days of, of Hollywood, uh, and even, I don't know, up until, I don't know, probably in the, in the 90s, there would be biblical epics. And while this isn't necessarily an epic, just biblical period pieces, and people, Christian or otherwise, would go to see them. They would know that, okay, this is going to be a Christian thing. I don't subscribe to that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And so... Knowing that, I can't cling to the lack of quality anymore for this film and say, well, you can't show this to your non-Christian films because it's terrible. Because it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, if this were, let's say let's say the production values are the same, but we take the Christianity out of it. It's just a story about a Roman centurion or something like that. Same, same actors, same production quality, same budget. Uh, it would be a movie that I'd probably recommend to people. So in this case... We are now getting to the nitty gritty where the content of it is something that might keep me from recommending it to non-Christians because part of me feels like, well, if they don't subscribe to this, then they just, they're not going to be on board for any of it. So I'm torn on just the concept of recommending it to non-Christian friends. Hmm. Your thoughts? Um... And I'm not looking for a definitive answer. It's more just I'm kind of spitballing here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say how somebody's, you know, their p- position on something like that affects whether or not they'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you and I can both enjoy movies that are based in in uh, either ideologies or... Uh, maybe even uh, philosophies that we don't agree with. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think non-Christians should be able to enjoy this the same way that like, and this isn't a perfect example, but for instance, some like we're able to enjoy the last temptation of Christ and like, we don't have a problem with, Right. The some of the some of the ending that Christians sometimes do have problems with. Right. Um and that's not a perfect compar- comparison because that I think actually comes back and uh, that movie doesn't espouse any of those things actually happen. Right. Um but uh I don't know just the idea of it kind of exploring what if this is real. I think that should be interesting enough. Yeah, and and by having it from the standpoint of somebody that does not believe these things and and is being faced with certain ideas, you know, theoretically, if, if somebody were a non-believer, they could w- watch this and think, well, if I were in his position, what would I do? Or maybe they just accept it as a character piece and as a period film and then just view it on and just be like, all right, there's some stuff in there that I don't believe. And then they just watch it along those lines. But part of my concern is that from a from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, Bowling for Columbine and Roger and Me are good. They, as far as the cutting, like as far as laughs, I mean, they Michael Moore knows how to make a movie, and he does so fairly well. But he does so in the service of something that I don't agree with. Now, admittedly, he tends to sacrifice the filmmaking aspect in order to emphasize the part I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but. You know, I I wonder if in the same way that my my friends and I who do not like Michael Moore can still say, hey, he can put a movie together like we can acknowledge the the quality of his film while still saying, yeah, I still don't like it at all. And so I feel like at I almost wonder if at best that's what 
we could hope for from a non-Christian audience is they go and say, hey, this is, you know, this wasn't bad. It had some good moments, but in the end, it's just nothing that I believe. Um, now, admittedly, this is not an angry film, whereas uh, <laughs> Michael Moore's films tend to be angry and have a specific target. This does not point its finger. Unlike God's Not Dead, this does not point its finger at atheists and say, what do you think, jerk? Yeah. Or something like that. That was a weird part in God's Not Dead when he just pointed <laughs> right at the camera. Um, and so I will say, uh, I ended the conversation uh, on Battleship Pretension um, asking David, hey, can you do me a favor? Go see Risen. BP will pay for it. I I need to know. I need to know your thoughts. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll throw this out to listeners of more than one lesson. I know that all of you are not Christian. In fact, it seems about only well, not all of them. <laughs> what was? It? Well, it's the thing is, it see it. It would appear that about sixty percent of our listeners are Christian, <laughs> which seems weird. That forty uh, percent would not identify as Christian. Hey, that's great. It's great. And it allows me uh, to throw this out to you guys. If you are not a Christian, please see Risen. It is not going to be the eye-rolling, in my opinion, and it's not going to be the eye-rolling experience that God's Not Dead or War Room is. It is much better than that. Um, So it's not going to be a painful experience for you. No, I don't think so. So go and watch it and comment or email, I would prefer comment, because I'd like an, uh, a larger open discussion about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, please comment and let us know what you think, because at this point, I have no... I've lost my perspective. It is hard to say, because we go into it already believing so much of it, and already yeah. knowing so much about the story, so it's hard to... Uh, it's hard for it to have much of a... I guess, much of an effect. Yeah. I think the the most interesting thing that can happen with this type of story is for you to... To get to a point where you say, if you're not someone who believes it, if you get to a point where you think, well, what if it were real? Right. Which I think can be interesting regardless of what the story is. I mean, I don't believe in Santa Claus, but there's a lot of good Christmas movies that make you think, what if there really was a Santa Claus? Wouldn't that, like, here's all these things that could be cool about that. So I feel like for someone who doesn't believe in Christianity, I feel like movies that sort of espouse a Christian message, at least this kind of movie, like a historical thing, should yeah. make you think, okay, well, if it is real, what does that mean? Like, what would that mean? What's, uh, you know. And I feel like it's tough to, to I, I always have a hard time talking about, like, movies about Santa Claus and movies about God because people <laughs> have already, you know, snarky people have right. already made those connections. But here's what I'll say is when you watch movies about Santa Claus or or, or movies about Jesus, again, I'm not associating the two, I apologize, um, I feel like if you don't believe in those things, and you know, none of us believe in Santa Claus, but when I watch Miracle on 34th Street, I come away from it being like, oh, I wish there was. Yeah. I wish that, and, and in that same way, I feel like Risen is one of those movies, and I guess we're, we'll, we'll get into our general reaction now. Risen is one of the only Christian movies, maybe the only Christian movie that I have seen, and I come away from it feeling like I have engaged with Jesus, that I have a general sense of who he is, and that I have a have a yearning to know him more. And in that same way, I find myself wondering, if I were not a Christian and I would watch Risen, would I think, boy, it'd be nice if this were true? Hmm. You know, because I do think that the depiction of Jesus, he's played by Cliff Curtis, an actor that I really like, and that... Uh, a lot of people know of, but might not know where they know him from. He's one of those actors. I, I mean, he's a lot of people might know him from Fear the Walking Dead, in which he's the lead of that show. Um, and so he he really gives he, he plays Jesus with something special, with a very definitely an otherworldly quality, but also one in which he's definitely willing to engage with the people around him, and. Uh, so that is one of the things that I really like about it. When we see him uh, heal a leper, there's a moment when like he first hugs the leper. And it's just this idea of not only will I – before I heal you, I'm actually going to embrace you as you are. And moments like that were very powerful for me. And, um, and I think Cliff Curtis really um, – really uh, engendered those moments with with some strength and some – uh, some tenderness and and some love and that sort of thing. So sorry, I'm I'm bouncing all around uh, because it's hard to know exactly how to talk about this film. Um, 
because I feel uh, it's I feel positive about it. Mm. And that, now I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, screwing with the system here. Um, don't worry, everybody. We'll get to God's Not Dead Two in a few weeks, and then we'll be uh, back. You know, back in business. Um, so, so all that was to say that I, I do find myself wondering. To repeat myself, uh, if a non-Christian were to watch this, my hope is that they would come away from it saying, "I don't believe this were true. I wish I did." Mm-hmm. I hope that's the case. And I think an argument could be made that that is the case. But listeners, let me know, please. Yeah. So we'll go back to general. So that was kind of an odd conversation to have. But let's go to a general discussion of Risen. Clearly, I have a, a positive view on it. Um, as I've already said, I think production design is good. Again, it's a little bit small scale. Sometimes it shows its budget, which is weird to say with $20 million. Yeah. I think it could have, I think there could have been some filmmaking choices that could have hidden the lower budget or the budget limitations a little bit more. Um, but to me, if there are any big flaws, it's the, the, the last act. And then, um, Mm -hmm. but again, in the largest sense, I, this was, an engaging experience. I was invested in what was happening on screen. I was invested in these characters. And uh, that is a very rare thing for a Christian film. And by the end of it, I'll say this spiritually, at the end of it, I felt, I won't say necessarily touched by God, but I felt a desire to pray. I felt a desire to read my Bible. I've, I, I felt, I'll say, closer to God at mm-hmm. that moment. And that is also very, very rare. So about this movie, you would say it brings you closer to God? God money. <laughs> We're talking about nine inch nails now in a discussion of risen. Um, so, okay. So that's my general reaction. We'll get more specific in a moment. Uh, yours, I, Josh, wow me. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's pretty good. There we go. Wow. Um, no, I, 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 I liked it. Um, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I liked it. Um, I, I think I agreed with you about the the production design. I thought this or the the scale. I thought the same thing. There are moments when it it feels too small, um, and that's you know that's not a huge criticism, but uh, it it is something I noticed. Um, I like what Joseph Fiennes is doing in it. Uh, actually, some something about the way they cut the trailer together made it look like he was mugging a lot more than I think he actually was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie, I think he's. He gives a pretty good. Um, I, I like his performance, and I yeah. for some reason I thought I wasn't going to from a few of the things they cut in the trailer. That's odd. Um, I think there were a lot of good moments. I, I think the procedural element of it is where it it works the best. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that those and that's probably uh, yeah probably two thirds of the movie. Uh, first two acts. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you, you were talking about, well, we sort of talked about different things that, could, that the movie could do, and we talked about it either being a movie that, I, we were talking about them sort of with the same thing, but I think they're different. Either, either if the movie becomes a something that makes you que- makes you think, what if, or a movie that thinks that makes you think, I wish it were, were true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the what if thing kind of just, uh, verges on the wonder of it a little bit and then kind of backs away and lets you just think. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other way brings you into it a little bit and puts you in that situation and shows you the 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 joy of of it being true. Yeah. Um, were it true. So, and I feel like the movie is caught up between doing those two things. It's because the procedural element I think is the first one, and then yeah. I think the third act is the is the second one. Yeah. So I think it. I think the filmmakers can't decide whether which one's more important, and that's where I think it tends to falter a little bit. Because I guess we can. We're speaking, speaking in kind of generalities for those people who haven't seen it. Um, the first two acts of the movie are following a uh, a Tribune Tribune is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah. Um, in in Rome at the time of the crucifixion, who. Is it's his job to find the body of Jesus because the body's disappeared. They don't know where it went. The yeah. Sanhedrin, the 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 uh, you know Jewish high priest officials, are saying that the body was stolen by his followers and a lot of things that 
people still kind of claim today. Yeah. And so he's trying to find out what happened to the body and nothing seems to lead to a logical conclusion or everything does seem to point to him actually rising from the dead, even though it doesn't make sense. So this character, Joe Fine's character is very, he's torn by this whole thing. And then at the, at, at the end of the second act, he actually sees Jesus alive yeah, and then kind of gets ends up following the disciples as they all go off to Galilee with Jesus or right. to find Jesus sorry right. um so then the rest of the film is him kind of following along with the disciples talking with them about Jesus and then as Jesus kind of appears here and there um him either just watching or sometimes directly interacting with Jesus yeah so while I think I don't like the third act as much, I like some of the things that it's doing. I sure, think I like the performances, and I, I do. I do think I like that moment that the two of them have on uh, the two of them have together. Is really only I really do. I tend, especially there's a there's a, a bit of dialogue callback, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which I usually don't like. I, I felt like that worked pretty well. It yeah. worked really well, yeah. partially because I had okay. So um, this is a reference to an episode we recorded about a month ago. Um, in Bridge of Spies, the would it help over and over again? Like, oh, you don't seem worried. And then Mark Ryland says, would it help? And they say it enough times. I'm like, all right, I'm bored now. Like, I don't find this interesting. I don't find it amusing or anything like that. Um, and often a, a piece of di- a bit of dialogue callback will be meant to be like clever. Whereas in this, there's like, real, there was the standing man in Bridge of Spies. Which sure. I, I didn't really like that one. Yeah. And it's just. Uh, whereas this, uh, there was real emotional weight to it. Yeah. I like that mm-hmm. scene as well. Yeah. So I think that was good. Then there's the other part of me that, uh, that doesn't like the sort of thing that they do in a historical thing where it's like, what if this person were along for the ride? Like, here's these parts that you've read about in the Bible, but this guy was there along with him. Yeah. And I, I think I don't really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there's good and bad in it. I think I like the first two acts a lot better, and I almost wish, I almost wish it were some sort of thing where at even if he did end up seeing Jesus, if he were to like see him for a second near the end, and then that could be kind of like the big climax of the movie is that yeah. he does see him, and now he has to question what he's thought about everything. Yeah, maybe that's the issue, is I feel like there's no climax. It feels like the entire third act is a climax. Yeah. I mean, I guess emotionally, him sitting next to Jesus and talking with him, emotionally, that's a climax. And mm-hmm. I do, I have a, I love when the climax of a film is purely emotional and it's just two people talking yeah. or something like that. I love that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, it's, the emotions in that entire last act are kind of, when I say they're flat, I don't mean they're boring. I mean they they are all heightened, which means if every scene is heightened like six scenes in a row, then after a while that just that's just a, a plateau. Yeah, and as much as a as a good emotional moment as the one we're talking about is, I feel like when you've when his character has been to the point where he's seen a man die and then seeing that man alive again. Right. That's you, you, it's hard to beat that climax. Even if there can be a very strong and very poignant emotional moment, it still doesn't beat, Oh, this guy rose from the dead. Like that's, that has to be the climax, you know? So I feel like that's, that's one thing that doesn't totally work in it. But, uh, but overall it's positive. I like what they're doing for the, for the first two thirds. And I like a lot of moments in the last third. I kind of like what they did with Peter. Like that he was a little brash. Yeah. Um, kind of obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> I I really liked that. because oh, was kind of cool. I, I had the thought of like, ah, here's the thing. I thought like, I don't really like this guy. Now, when I said this guy, I meant Peter. Yeah. I did not mean the actor. Yeah. And then I just thought like, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that you and I talked about with Woodlawn, the, the C. Thomas Howell character, even though I think his performance is a bit over the top, we like that after he becomes a Christian... His heart's in the right place, and now he is he is on a he's on a path, but he's but, still kind of obnoxious. Yeah, there's nothing sinful about being obnoxious, <laughs> you know. So he's not in the wrong in being obnoxious, and that's kind of what I got with Peter, that his that his uh, 
his zeal, for lack of a better, you know, it's a loaded word in a movie like this, but his zeal, when it's positive, is like, oh my God, like he can excite you. He can, mm-hmm. he can, he can uh, inspire you. But then if it turns, that same zeal can be really annoying. Yeah. Um, and just really off putting. I, I, yeah, I, I was surprised. Once I saw what they were doing with Peter, I thought like, this is a, this is a really good idea. This is a really good call. Mm. Um, so, uh, to get more specific and we'll stick with, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the opposite of what we usually do. We'll go with the negative and then move into the positive. I feel like we've already talked a little bit about the negative. Um, yeah, I think I've already had most of the the problems I had. I'm trying to remember if there were any particular, uh, one thing I didn't mention yet is I, some of the uh, there were a few special effects things I didn't like. There was kind of like an earthquake thing they did, yeah, at the moment of the crucifixion, and it it, it didn't look that great. It didn't look yeah. real convincing. Um, but there's that. There's the scale. There's the the um, kind of faltering third act. But those are the those are the main problems. I can't think of anything else. Let me ask you this. This was an issue that I had, but I'm not sure if I should. Um. So when uh, the uh, the main ca- the Joseph Fiennes character when he is talking to one of the guards that fell asleep at the tomb, and the guy is drunk in a bar, he he has he's expressed the official story, but Joseph Fiennes wants to know, okay, okay, well, well, what's the unofficial story? And so the guy has a sort of monologue where he's explaining what he saw, like this great white light that he that he couldn't bear to look at, and that sort of thing. Um, in that moment, I felt like the actor was maybe overdoing it. I thought he was overplaying it. But then I thought, well, let, let's let's consider what he saw. Is there such a thing as overplaying it, considering that he saw Jesus the moment he resurrected? Like that's pretty exciting. Um, but I I do my mind still does return to that and just feel like there's st- there's a way to play the awe. There's a way to play the the overwhelming you know, um, sensory overload quality and not be seen as overacting. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Did you, did you get any of that from that scene or did it, I'll say this. I felt like that scene was meant to have a lot more power than it had for me. I, I felt like that too. Um, I don't, I didn't notice the overplaying. Um, I don't know. I, I think, but I did. I did feel like that scene left me wanting. So I feel like I knew, you knew that scene was coming, right? Yeah. There, had, you had, you briefly see the other soldier, and he's kind of just following the story, but he he's he refuses to say any more. That scene I liked a lot. Because, I, I like that one better. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's more in what he's not saying, right? Than in what the other guy is saying. Yeah, right. And so then you knew that second one was coming up, or if it wasn't going to be the other guy, you knew somehow we were going to go back to these guards. Yeah. And, but then when that scene came, it didn't have the same, it didn't have the power to it that yeah. I thought it was going to. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe it was something in the writing. Maybe it could have been the performance. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is, you know, once you see enough of these films, you come to realize, okay, this is a scene that the filmmaker really wanted to have power. And if it doesn't, it stands out. And that one, the thing that we thought is like, we all knew this scene was coming. The character is now saying outright, you know, something that is very uh, fantastical and that sort of thing. Uh, certainly in the in the eyes of jo- the Joseph Fiennes character, um, this is meant to have a lot of power. And meanwhile, for ne- it didn't really have it for either one of us. It had more power with me, like intellectually, where it's like, oh, I understand what he's trying to say, and I understand the impact this will have on the Joseph Fiennes character. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the impact emotionally. I think it was supposed to have. Um, yeah. So, as far as uh, you know, negative things for me, um, and I'll go into just choices. I think the director could have made to actually cover some of this. Uh, there's a battle at the beginning that is shot well. It's edited well. It's played well. And when I say it's shot well, I mean like when you're in the thick of it, but it's basically like 30 soldiers versus 30 or 40, um, you know, rebels. That's fine. It's a little battle. And people, people are still dying. There's a scene 
once the battle is over, when Joseph Fiennes is interrogating uh, a zealot and then stabs him in the top of the head, and that part's really, uh, really uh, jarring. And does he call that? He calls him Barabbas. Barabbas. Yeah. And I was like, is that supposed to be the Barabbas? I assume so, because at that point he would have been let go. And yeah. there are there's a wonderful book called Barabbas that suggests that once he's let go, he actually starts to look into the man who took his place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they decided that in in this, that in this, you know, bit of fan fiction that Barabbas joins the zealots and and he himself is kind of a zealot. I think he was like that's why he was uh that's why he was being held, yeah. right? Because he had, he was part of some kind of like yeah. rebel well, he, faction. Yeah, he was like an all-purpose zealot. And then in this, it appear that his zealotry has turned into something else. And now he's, I don't know, that he's a Christian or something like that. Because the way he talks, to me, it echoed some of the, the otherworldly qualities of when Joseph Fiennes is like interrogating Christians. Hmm. Um, but I might be wrong. I don't know. I just, I couldn't decide, like, the timeline of that thing was bothering me, because I thought, that's happening somewhere, then Josephine's character has to get back to his home, then get summoned to pilot, then go to pilot, then pilot tells him the crucifixion's happening, then, then he gets out of the crucifixion. It seems like there wouldn't have been enough time for Barabbas to get out, get into some kind of, like get back with some sort of rebellion yeah. group and be in the middle of a fight. No. But it's it's not a thing that bothers me yeah, that much. It, yeah, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, maybe it's not even supposed to be him. Who knows? It's kind of a, it's I mean, a it very seems, specific name. <laughs> it seems like you don't just randomly yeah. choose that one. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, so, but that battle, it definitely, as you're watching it, it seems small scale. And I feel like if they had just shot a little, shot it a little bit differently, and my... I say solution. It it wouldn't necessarily solve everything, but I think it would cover some of the issues. I think if they just shot it at night, you know, yeah. you remember when we were watching um, Fireproof all those years ago, and they have a scene where it's like, oh my gosh, they got to they got to rush into a house that's on fire at two in the afternoon, you know, <laughs> and it's like, look, I recognize it's still dangerous, but fire looks a lot more dramatic when it's in the dark, you know, yeah. when because then it's like, oh my gosh you really get the full impact of it. Yeah. And this battle could have been, if they had shot it in the dark, you know, it could have been used or, or in just something other than broad daylight. I think it could have been, they could have used it to cover the, the limitations. Maybe that problem is because of this Barabbas thing, because if they were deciding that it has to be the same guy, but it has, but the Joseph Fiennes character has to make it back to the actual crucifixion and it yeah. couldn't happen at night. Yeah, and in which case, like, okay, well, you didn't need the Barabbas thing no, anyway. He could have just been some some leader of a yeah. rebellion, and there you Cause go. Because there were lots of rebellions at the time, yeah. like, yeah. So, yeah, that the battle, again, it's effective, mostly. It's just frustrating when you see that it's like, you're 70% of the way there, and that extra 30 is keeping me from being fully engaged. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that uh, that last act feels unnecessary. There are still stakes because this guy is helping the disciples get away from the Romans and that sort of thing. And then he's actually seeing Jesus and, and, you know, so all of the, all of the stuff that he had been searching for is now very real to him. It's right in front of him. Um, and yet somehow, I don't know, it could just be the idea that, you know, when you're, when you're searching for something in a movie or a TV show, when you're searching for something for so long, the search becomes more inter- even though you and I know what he's searching for and it's a very valuable thing to us, the search becomes more important and more impactful than actually the thing you're searching for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's why Twin Peaks didn't last long after you discovered <laughs> who killed Laura Palmer. Um, it was Leo. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a misdirect, everybody. It wasn't. Or was it? Or was it? Um, and so I find myself wondering, like, and I, we don't have to, like, you know, brainstorm right now and figure out what they could have done better, but it does feel like, I don't know, I, I'm torn between keeping Jesus as, like, an intangible figure mm-hmm. or one that's very tangible. The idea that he's there, he's he's hugging people, he's healing people, you know, although I, the the sequence of healing the leper 
the sorry the moment of healing is powerful everything ab- everything about it seems contrived you know yeah that's true it, and i like you know what i mean it i comes, knew bartholomew was gonna walk back to him and and say that's why yeah like he walked over and i was like oh, he's gonna yeah. say that's why and i almost and you know what if he had just given him a look like i mean there's a there's a very clear look like yeah obviously yeah um that's well, because like the the audience already made the connection. We don't have to hear exactly. someone say that's why. We see that that's why. Yeah. And if they had chosen a moment of subtlety at the end of it, it might have been worth it for me. Yeah. Um, but when they when they have to put a button on it, it's just like all right, we we the impact has been made. We saw this uh, horrible, uh, gross looking leper w- get up and walk away perfectly healed. Um, so yeah. Uh, I do think the idea of Christ's uh, ascension was handled as well as it could. Um, I, I, part of me, I was terrified, terrified that he was that they were going to show him. And I feel bad. I, I say this as though uh, as though the Bible itself has poor production values, but um, <laughs> that they were going to show him just like lift into the sky. And I was just like, there's in this film that they're going to make that a cheesy effect. It's, it's not going to be very effective. Instead, it's like a bright light and, yeah. and yeah. then the light sort of rises up and I feel like, okay, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I thought the birds that were always flying around, were going to like swoop down and like spin mm. around him somehow. And he would like do something. They form into a flying him. chair and, uh, yeah. lift him up into the heavens. <laughs> like a Disney cartoon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um so, yeah, I mean, I. It sounds weird. I feel like I'm. I'm. I'm grasping for for negatives, and I probably shouldn't be. I remembered something else. You got like. something. I didn't like the framing device. Oh yeah, it's first off, it's unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Um, um it's not bad, bad. I just I didn't really like it. Yeah, and it. Uh, it would have been. I think it. There's a way to make it more effective than it is. Um, and. Uh, yeah, David and I did an episode about framing devices recently, and I think I've come to the conclusion that there are some great ones, but for the most part, eh, you don't. They're they're yeah. usually unnecessary. People, for some reason, seem to think because like, oh, we see, we see where the character ended up at the beginning. Now let's see how he got there. I, it's fine. Just <laughs> so, show us a standard three act structure. We're fine. Sometimes at the beginning of a uh, of a framing device like that, I feel like it's like the. Uh, the young groom from Monty Python and the Holy Grail going, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So, so those were, those are some of the negatives, you know, and they are notable. We're talking about an entire act of a three act film that has moments that are powerful. And we'll get to those in a moment, but for the most part, just needed to be structured. Differently. Yeah. It's just it feels a like struct- it- it's a structural weakness, but it's not like, it's not enough that you're like, why are we here now? Cause I've definitely seen movies like that. Once it gets yeah. into the third act, it's doing something different. And you're like, I, I don't understand why we're doing this. And now I'm not invested in the story at all. Yeah. And it's not that it's just, it's not, I feel like it's not as powerful as it could be. And I feel like it's too much of a shift for it to be as, yeah, yeah it's not as effective as it could be. Yeah, and I'll we'll pivot to talking about some of the positives, which will then actually lead me to talking about why that third act needs a little bit more work. Um, the film's finished; they, they they're not going to do any more work. <laughs> they'll on go it. back to the editing room. Um, uh, yeah, the procedural element. Uh, so we're in the positive element here. Uh, the the procedural element, man. I've said this before. I've said it about. Uh, in the heat of the night and why it works so well, why it, uh, yeah, that might be in a mini so that you guys haven't say, heard yet. Be, uh, <laughs> um, sorry about from that. From the future. But, uh, there's just, you can, you can handle so many things. It's why, it's why the horror genre works well. It's why sci-fi works so well. You can, you can deal with social issues. You can deal with spiritual issues, philosophical issues, and they won't seem overly uh uh obvious if you like couch them in something else uh, like a, like horror tropes or or something like that and in this case we have a procedural and the reason i talk about in the heat of the night is because you know it's a film that deals with racism and all that but it doesn't feel super on the nose because when it comes right down to it these guys have a job to do mm-hmm. 
And yes, the race stuff might get in the way, but that never changes the fact that they are working towards something tan- uh, definitive. And that is what's happening here. So we're getting interviews. We're getting, you know, uh, graves being dug up. We're getting, you know, and it's cut together in a way there's a lot of forward momentum. Um, it seems like an actual investigation. And I'm I'm always interested to see uh, what's ha- what's going to happen next. You know, he interviews... Mary Magdalene and that scene is very interesting. He interviews Bartholomew and that scene is interesting, you know, and it's just that to me, I think is maybe, uh, we often talk about, um, how the script is usually the first of many mistakes in a Christian film. And it's the basis of a lot of those mistakes. The script here is pretty solid. And I think, and this is a function of both the direction and the editing as well, but just keeping that forward momentum, not lingering too long on any one thing having to do with who was this man, Jesus, mm-hmm. or anything yeah. like that. And uh, to their credit, they do say uh, Yeshua, which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, and so it's just always moving forward. And by its very nature, even if you like, you could be Bill Maher watching this thing as cynical as can be, there's just like the power of filmmaking compels you. Sorry, I didn't mean to quote the extras. The power of filmmaking will keep you interested, even mm-hmm. if you know where we're headed. Um, and that is, that is, I think, what the film does best. And that is, that is what is, to me, the most commendable thing about it, is it just, it keeps me interested. And Christian movies, in fact, most movies, uh, for the most part, don't keep me interested. Um, <laughs> I'll keep watching, and it's like, all right, let's see how this train wreck ends. Um, but that's basically it. And so I feel like that is the film's greatest strength is that the the choice of story uh, the choice of the story they were telling is a good way to tell this story. And it's just it's all very peripheral to the story that we're seeing to to the story we're familiar with, which is the crucifixion story. Mm-hmm. Um and in doing so it it allows Pilot to be more of a character, which I like. I've always been fascinated with with who Pilot was. Um and yeah, I, I feel like the the script writing here, and that's the script writing here is very good, and that's why the third act, again, it doesn't fall apart, but it doesn't have the urgency, it doesn't have the forward momentum. It's yeah. it's all payoff, and that's fine. Except, you know, I feel like payoff can last ten minutes at the most. Yeah, that's why it's usually in the third act. Exactly, the end of the third act. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I like the procedural element of it too, and I, I generally don't love procedurals. Um, so I think that speaks to its power. I think I, I thought that was that was that engaging. Um, yeah, I, I think the uh, I think because it's leading towards something, I think that just works. Yeah, well, because of that, like you know, it's going somewhere, and. Y- you know, they get a little bit closer and they get a little bit closer and you get like a piece of info yeah. here and a piece of info there. And it's just, it, it's building this story the whole time. And I feel like it does that pretty well. And then the, then the reveal when like yeah. they, it's like, we think we've got them and, and the, them that they're looking for, they're not looking for Jesus, the living man. They're right. looking for his corpse and the disciples that stole him. And so it's just like, all right, we're opening this door. We're opening this door. Okay. Uh, hey, here's something up here. What's going on up here? He opens the door and bam, it's all right there. Literally everything he's been looking for the entire movie is right there. And in the middle of all of these disciples, there is the man he's looking for, but now he is alive. Like it's that moment was very, very effective. Yeah. I thought because there is something, you know, it's, it's the idea of you're running after something, running after something, and then you turn a corner and it's, it's just standing there waiting for you. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it just requires you to, it requires the character and the audience to recalibrate what they're doing. Cause they've been in chase mode for so long that now it's like, I have what I want, but wait a minute, it's not even close to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like that's, that's storytelling. That's really mm-hmm. effective storytelling. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I- I'll move to the acting. I think the acting all around is pretty good. I'm not that big of a Joseph Fiennes fan. I think that he's not necessarily bland. I think there's an intensity to him that shows up in a lot of movies. And after a while, I feel like he's not necessarily one note, but I think he kind of flatlines for me. But 
with the nature of this character is such that I understand why he's like this. He's a military man. He's had to see a lot of things that he he would rather have not seen, and uh, so I think his his performance style fits with it. Um, yeah. You know, when I saw him in Luther, when I've seen him in you know Enemy at the Gates. I tend not to like him that much. I feel like he's he's not that versatile of an actor. I mean, I thought he was great in Shakespeare in Love. I thought he was might be the, yeah. we, the weakest part of it, but you know, there's a vibrance there, a humor there, and all that sort of thing um, that has been largely absent the rest of his career. Hmm. But I thought he did a good job here. I thought Tom Felton did a really good job as uh, Lucius, his uh, right hand man. You know, Draco Malfoy. Um, <laughs> and then I really liked the actor Peter Firth who played Pilot. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, and then I'm trying to think of anybody else. Did any did any other uh, actor or character jump out at you? I mean, we already talked about the guy who played Peter. I like that. Yeah, Stuart Scudamore. That's a fun name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there were any others that particularly stood out to me. I would have liked maybe a little bit more development of Mary Magdalene, but I understand why. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. I kind of liked. There were things I liked about those the two guards. Yeah, they're not bad. There's a moment in there, boy. Maybe one of the most effective moments in the film is when one of those guards uh is waiting for one of the uh one of the thieves on the cross to die. Mm-hmm. And he's broken his leg at this point and the guy is just he's about to suffocate and the guard is is sitting is standing there. And he seems to be kind of tender in that moment. He's like, he goes, just yeah. let go. It's it's fine, you know. And just, and it seems, yeah. There's an impatience there. Like I have to get on with my job, but that's not the vibe I'm getting in that moment. I'm getting actually a surprising amount of sympathy. Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird moment and one that was not necessary, but I liked that it was there. No, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's it's. Uh... If it's a reaction against the sort of idea that the Romans are just the mean oppressors all the yeah. time, which I think is tender, t- tends to be the way that they're per- portrayed in film for yeah. a lot of good reason. Um, but I wonder if this is just kind of something that to make it a little more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to need to humanize all of these characters. I yeah. feel like, you know, Pilot, he may not be that likable of a guy, but I feel like I can relate to him. Yeah. The Tom Felton character. I mean, there are very the, few of these characters I actually condemned. Yeah. And the Romans tend to end up being kind of like the Nazis of so many of those sure. films. It's like, it's very similar. They're uh, overpowering, militaristic, like... Even have a similar greeting, actually. <laughs> yeah. So they tend to be portrayed kind of the same way, and I feel like it's interesting to see them not portrayed that way. Yeah. Um, I'm Not that th- I'm wishing for a second Roman Empire or anything. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Sounds like <laughs> it'd be fun. <laughs> Up to a point. At the right. very least, wouldn't it be fun to see an empire crumble? I guess we're seeing that now. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I also really liked Caiaphas. Um, he's not in it very much. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, he I has... did like what he's doing. He's a little underhanded. Yeah. And- and to see him, to see Caiaphas and Pilate play off each other, just these two veteran character actors mm-hmm. um, go back and forth with dialogue that's pretty good. Yeah, um, and you 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 gather that there's a history there that yeah. um, they both have kind of their roles that they play. Where uh, Caiaphas tends to play this like I'm only following procedure type yeah. of thing. Um, it's kind of fun. There's a moment that I like where. Um, Pilot is saying like is like just get this done before Caiaphas and his crazy Jews show up, <laughs> as Caiaphas and his Jews are are walking up, and then he just very again, the performance sells this line where he just says he's like too late, and it's the way that he says it, which is there's an acknowledgement, there's a there's a uh, a haughtiness to it and a resignation to it, which is like look we we both know we don't like each other, yeah. you're not. As opposed to, I think a lesser actor and a lesser director would have been like, ooh, have it be a big reveal, like, too late. <laughs> it's not that. It's just, we all know we don't like each other, yeah. but we've all got stuff to do, you know? And <laughs> we've all uh, got places to be. Yeah. And so I, that's the thing is I, I like, I like that this moment, that this movie has, has throwaway moments. Um, there's a part where 
this is a, a, a the performance is good, but there's a, a writing aspect to it as well, where um, Pilot is talking to what is uh, Clavius, um, which is Joseph Fine's character. He's talking to him, and he's like, he goes, "I was, you know, something like I was like you, young and." Um, I forget. And then he moves on. And I was like, that's great. That is great. You're literally setting us up to to have like, I was once like you, young and permit, you know. And then you, and like the nature of that type of monologue is you haven't talked about how idealistic he was and now he's not anymore. But literally by having him forget what he was going to say, <laughs> you've you've illustrated it. Yeah. You know, it's, it goes to, it's, it's like what we were talking about with the one guard. What he doesn't say illustrates so much more than what this other guard does say. Yeah. This this is not a bad script. No, no. Um, I had read somewhere that the film was real that someone thought the film was really on the nose and all that. It's like it is on the nose, certainly in that third act, but how could it not be? Um, up until then, solid. It's a solid script. Uh not perfect. Again, framing device, not not great, but um yeah. Um yeah, this film really surprised me. Mm. Um, I went, I, I knew that it was going to be better than most, but of course, what's, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, and, and again, that third act can be troublesome, but even then that scene between Clavius and Jesus is powerful. I like what Peter is doing the moment when they're fishing and then you actually see Jesus walking along the shore and then passively say, like, why don't you throw him from the right and then keep walking? Like moments like that where it, it gives Jesus almost an air of mystery. And by the way, that scene takes place at night. Mm. And I know it sounds it sounds like the simplest thing in the world to say, but sometimes shooting at night, like there there's a there's a, a, a mystery to night. There's a wonder to the nighttime. And in that moment, there you have it. Uh Magic in the Moonlight. Magic in the Moonlight. That's a film you saw. Mm-hmm. A Woody Allen film, correct? That's correct. That you suggested at some point we talk about on this show. Except oh, yeah, nobody except did. yeah, except nobody Not talks about it. Saw it. So, so. Um, maybe you can write a review of it for the show, for the website. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would condemn your attitude, except I feel exactly the same way anytime <laughs> I need to write something. Yeah. It's like, oh, can't I just talk about it for two hours? <laughs> um so I feel like that might be uh, all I have to say, except that, you know, um, I will uh, briefly talk about the companion film, then we'll move into not even necessarily thematic elements. We're talking about Jesus. Like, the theme <laughs> is Jesus. It's just kind of um, So the companion film, I started rewatching last night. It's mm-hmm. uh, three hours and 16 minutes, so I didn't finish it. Mm. Um, and that is Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus. And what I like about... One of the things I love about Spartacus is... Yes, Spartacus himself is an interesting character, played well. The thing that gets me about the film is the very in-depth depiction of Roman corruption uh, and oh, yeah. and hedonism and all these things, you know, played by Charles Lawton and Laurence Olivier and the always wonderful Peter Ustinov. Oh, yeah. Um, who won a uh, supporting actor for that film? Really? It's been years since I've seen that one. I should see it again. It's a good film. Yeah, I in rewatching I was like, yeah, this man this film is structured well. And I know it's Anthony Mann directed it for a while and then it was yeah. given to Stanley Kubrick. So that that's the weird thing about it is like Kubrick had a lot of complaints about it, right? And no. and I know he like doesn't he kind of disavow it. He does because at the very least from top to bottom it's not his. Right. Like he only has he only directed some of it, but it and I feel like the the uh, the artist in me wants to like react against that and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that sort of thing to a movie. But I I think it's a good movie. I still like the movie. You know? Yeah, I think so too. Um, and the thing that I that I like is um, when I when I'm watching uh, Risen. So listeners, I, we're not going to spend much time on Spartacus, except that it's marvelous and it's it's it has a real sense of spectacle but it also does not lose like like all the best uh old hollywood spectacle films um it does not lose sight of character or in this case characters like there's a it's a great ensemble yeah um and you get a sense of who everybody is mm-hmm. um but uh so yeah if you haven't seen spartacus seek it out it's a longer film i would also suggest if you can 
rent it or buy it. I don't know. Get the special features disc from Criterion as well, because there's a lot of great stuff in there, including like a 22 minute interview with Peter Ustinov that I rewatched last night and I hadn't seen it in a long time. Do you know much about Peter Ustinov? Not a whole lot. All right. So I read a biography, one of, one of his few, uh, one of his several autobiographies. Um, it was called dear me. And, uh, and it's, you know, he's very clever and very British and stuff. Um, he won two Oscars for Spartacus and Top Cappy, which is a very good film as well um, that he's marvelous in. And he's just, he's a very rare performer uh, and who just exudes intelligence. Mm. And he also can do impressions of everybody. He does an amazing <laughs> Charles Lawton and then he does, uh, he does a uh, Lawrence Olivier, of course. Um, but then he just goes, as he's talking about, the various fans that he has met over the years. Um, he goes into voices that one could say is a little bit, uh, insulting, (laughs) but, uh, but it's delightful. And so to hear him talk about Spartacus was really, is really interesting. But, um, but yeah, so the, the film is just, it's, it's more than just a standard, you know, sword and sandal epic. Um, it feels, I don't know. It's it, there's a lot of like I didn't finish the movie as I was watching it yesterday. Um, I wanted to just sort of remind myself for these purposes, and I think I'm still gonna I'm gonna finish it. You yeah. know, after this, now that I even though I don't have to, yeah. I think I'm going to. And that's got a real strong third act too. It, 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 tremendously, yes. And that's when. So the reason that I that I wanted to connect the two is because when you see pilot in Risen, you see Pilate talking with Caiaphas and you just see the way he carries himself and, and you just, you, it'd be nice to see more characters, uh, more like bureaucrats like, like him. Um, you get a strong sense of just the, the decadence and the, um, and the complacence of Rome and this idea of like, we thrive on the status quo and, that is very much what I get with uh, with Spartacus, with mm-hmm. with you know the characters like uh, Peter Yusinov and and uh, Charles Lawton and stuff. Just characters that are just very you know. There's a, there's a line where Charles Lawton's character is talking about the the uh, the benefits uh, or of corpulence, <laughs> you know, like that. Nothing speak, it speaks more about uh, the, your mindset when you're like, ah, being fat's pretty great, actually. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so you get a really strong sense of the status quo and that it is just, it's corrupt, it's immoral, it just doesn't care about anybody but itself. And then in both cases, you have the status quo being threatened by this person who is willing to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. and that everybody else, when they see that, you know, they see the selfishness of Rome and then they see the selflessness of Christ and then in, in Spartacus. Um, and the selflessness is what will, is what inspires them. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the, why I picked that as a companion film. It's a wonderful film. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Speaking of that selflessness, um, coming away from Risen, I genuinely felt, even though we only see him a little bit, which is probably a good call, um, in the depiction of Jesus, the way he's written, the way he's played, where, yes, there's an otherworldly quality to him, but he is he is flesh and blood, he is, he is showing the disciples his wrists, his side, um, you know, he's hugging lepers, he's... He's delighting in the people around him. It's just a really great depiction, and it's one of those films. I don't know if this is a thing that you've ever thought. Um, I frequently, I don't necessarily get upset at the invisible, the invisibility of God, mm-hmm. um, or the fact that Jesus is not physically with me. Um, I don't often get frustrated at that, but I, when I do read the Bible and I read about, you know, Mary and Martha or the various people, you know, um, even like Zacchaeus, the people that interacted with Jesus that, that were in the same physical, in the physical presence of Jesus and what that must have felt like. And Risen gave me a little bit of that, mm. just in the, in the way that his peace and self-assuredness 
seemed to permeate the people around him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a, and again, like in, and in that moment, I felt a yearning for closeness with God and not a yearning of, oh, I don't have him and I wish I did. It's more just, I want to know more about God. I want to know more about Jesus, uh, about the, the character of Jesus. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a film that, you know, at the very least, I came, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, I came away feeling closer to God or at least feeling a desire to be closer to God. So many of these Christian films, they definitely have, it's clear what they want you to feel mm-hmm. and they do nothing to make you feel yeah. that way. Um, did you get anything like that? Like, did, did you feel anything spiritually from the film? Um, I don't think I really did. I don't, I don't feel like I had that kind of reaction to it, but I do like that. And I've always liked in films when, uh, Jesus is depicted as being kind of like, uh, like approachable and friendly. Yeah. I think because there's been that's the, this whole sort of tradition of the focusing on the man of sorrows thing. And yeah. he's, he's all like distant and sad. And it's kind of like, why would, I, why would these people follow this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I like, like that. He's this not Glenn Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like that this is this was one of those portrayals, and I think there I think I have seen some other ones, none leap to mind. But uh, uh, the idea of him being depicted here as like smiling, friendly, you know, like very approachable, I, I, I like that. And you know, when you think about it, the only time when we see Jesus alive, we don't see Jesus alive before the crucifixion. We only see it. In his risen form. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, it's just like, yeah, uh, you're not going to get any constant sorrow now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's like uh, the revenants, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm not scared of death. I, I've done it already. Um, and so, uh, yeah, absolutely. I do like that depiction of like a, a cheerful, loving, welcoming, accepting Jesus. Um, but one who still, uh, ha- you know, has work to do in the sense of like, uh, just because I'm just because I've been resurrected and just because I'm feeling happy, doesn't mean I I can leave this leper by himself. I'm going yeah. to you know where everybody else is casting him out. I am not going to do that. Um, yeah, it's it you know. So in that moment, like. You you got I'm not I'm not going to tell you how you felt, but what you're talking about is you got an a picture of Jesus that probably reflected partially who he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know there needs to be a you know if you're going to lead anybody, and yes, I recognize you're the son of God, so you do have an advantage there. But uh, you know there needs to be a certain degree of charisma there, and a certain certain degree of like of of joy that that just attracts people. Yeah. And so, and I think that was definitely there. Um, so, yeah, uh, listeners, if you're a Christian, seek it out. It's one of the it's one of the best uh, Christian films. Again, that's it seems like damning with faint praise, but it's 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 a good movie all around. Yeah, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It could use a lot of work, um, but effective artistically, effective emotionally. In my case, effective spiritually. Um, and then uh, non Christian listeners. Uh, you can watch it and not worry that you're going to be made fun of or attacked like in God's Not Dead. Yeah. Um, and when it comes right down to it, you're not even really going to get preached at that much. You know, like, characters within the film are being told the truth, but being told by somebody like Bartholomew or Mary Magdalene who have this smile on their face and they're not over-explaining because the performance explains. Mm. And stuff like that works wonders. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, listeners of, of all kinds, uh, feel free to comment or email me, Tyler at morethanonelesson.com or Josh, Josh at morethanonelesson.com. Let us know what you think of the film because um, I would love I would love your feedback. Um, you can also like us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at More Lessons. You can follow Josh at the Josh Long at the Josh Long. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye.